0: whether it was Jesus' own physical brothers or whether it was his closest disciples or even others. They want to know when. I think about Jesus when he came to that wedding feast in Cain of Galilee and they had run out of the wine for the feast. Jesus' mother came to him and talked to him about it. He says, my time hasn't come. Don't you know she was wondering in her mind, well, when, when? When will these things be? I think that's a common question. That's the one we want to look at today, is the idea, tell me when. We go back to the Old Testament prophet of Joel. A short prophecy, and one that's pretty pointed in its way. But in the second chapter of Joel, in the midst of so many other things that he's talking about, of locusts and all kinds of things that are happening, Joel offers us an insight into the future. He offers an insight that's later recognized. He says in verse 1 of Joel chapter 2, Blow the trumpet in Zion and sound the alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the lands tremble. For the day of the Lord is coming, for it is at hand. And then you jump down further in the same chapter, verses 31 and 32. He says, The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord, and it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the remnant whom the Lord calls. A few centuries later, a man by the name of Peter, a fisherman who had been following Jesus around, a man who had been very close to Jesus and outspoken and maybe a little bit arrogant, an impetuous man, but somewhat humbled man, was gathered with some others on the day of the Pentecost feast, seven weeks after the Passover and Pentecost came. Feast of first fruits was an early harvest. People were gathered and busy in Jerusalem, having traveled hundreds and hundreds of miles perhaps. And on that very special day, some events transpired that caught the attention of so many others sound and sights that they hadn't seen before. And it was on that Pentecost day that that fisherman by the name of Peter stood up to speak along with his compatriots. He stood up to speak and he explained that what they were seeing and what they were hearing was what had been prophesied by that prophet Joel hundreds of years earlier. You're seeing the fulfillment of prophecy. If the question had been when, Peter is saying now. And it was an amazing revelation to those who heard it. But it was one that would have been hard, hard to deny. For early in the ministries of John the Baptist, as well as Jesus, there had been a proclaimed message. They'd come about and said, repent for the kingdom. Here's the message. The kingdom is at hand. It's time. That caught the attention of the people. It was a lot lot more noticeable than the guy standing on the street with the placard on the cardboard sign that says, the end is near and people passing by and not paying attention. They heard him. They listened to him. They knew what they were saying. They could relate to this because there had been an anticipation going back to these Old Testament prophets. There had been an anticipation that something is coming. But even then, there were cynical people. Much like there are today, much like maybe even you and I are sometimes guilty of being. For we may, in a large sense, be a lot like one of those men by the name of Thomas, who is noted for saying when the others said that Jesus is risen, we've seen him. He says, I'm not going to believe until I can see, until I can touch him, until I can verify for myself. We're all a little bit that way, aren't we? They had been that way, too. I want to see it for myself. I want to touch it for myself. I want to know it for myself. There was a certain amount of that right there. Even as Peter spoke that day. Even as some embraced it so readily. For even those followers of Jesus who were closest to Jesus and even believed his message, in their anticipation still wondered. For they all wanted to know something. Everyone wanted to know something. When? When? Don't we? I think we do. We want to know when about a lot of things. We want to know when so that we can so we can get everything in order at the appropriate time. We want to know when something is due. We want to know when something is prepared. We want to know when that paper is due as a student. We want to know when the boss will be back so we can look busy even if we're not. We want to know when you'll be there. When are you going to arrive? What time will you be there? Perhaps it's about being a little bit slack. Maybe it's about being a little bit lazy. I don't know. But we like to know exactly when so that we can get everything in order, whether it's at the last minute or we can just make sure we've got enough time to get it all together. Maybe we want to know so that we can be busy all along the way and we'll be prepared for when that time comes. It could just be the curious nature of our limited minds to say, I want to know when. When will this be? When is this going to happen? When do I need to be prepared for this? But at the heart of it, it's still the same, isn't it? Because You know what? We want we want time on our side. We want to know that time is on our side. Because when you really look at it, we we come to recognize that time is just a tool that we use. And we want to be able to use it well. Because it only gets one use. It's here. And it's gone. The present. For look at your life and my life. I do. I think there's not a one among us who hasn't wished. Hasn't wished that he or she could undo time and redo something. If I could just go back and do it again. If I, could, if I could hold the hands of time If I could take it back again. If I could go backward and I could redo that. If I could unsay those words or say the words I needed to say. If I could see that person again. If I could tell mom one more time, I love you. If I could have settled That's that argument, done that job, given that gift. Who hasn't wished that he or she among us couldn't go back and redo and make a better choice. Even the most casual of us recognize the value of time. Even if we don't we wish we could go back, we, we think about time a lot. We're very clock-eyed in our society and in our time. Uh, there, I used the word again. We associate in that way. For almost everything we do is measured by the clock and measured by time. We eat By the clock. We tend to work by the clock. We make appointments by the clock. Our sports, many of them, are measured by the clock. We even tend to sleep by the clock. And somebody says, how many hours of sleep did you get? I slept until I awoke. That's the way it is. We measure it by the clock. I got four hours of sleep last night. Oh, you poor thing. I got eight hours of sleep last night. What's the matter with you, you lazy thing? We measure by the clock, don't we? We think it's good. We think it's bad. We think it's short. We think it's long. We even associate people by the clock or by time. I knew you when we saw some friends yesterday we hadn't seen in 37 years they had gotten a lot older isn't that something we measure people by when by time by association that was back when that was when we were there we associated in time and in place in that way and we associate our our associations with people by time I was with so-and-so for an hour. I was at the doctor's office for, well, that was too long. I was there for an, over an hour and so forth. Oh, the preacher's sermon made the clock stand still. Don't we? We laugh a little bit, but it's true. It's true, isn't it? We relate things by time. and We associate them by time. There's no way we're ever going to get out of it. That's not the point. But when we think about it, and I tell you all that because it's under time there is an often expressed question. When? When will it happen? We want to know when we are expected to do something. We want to know when something is going to happen. We want to know when the circus will be in town. You go up to a lady that, that says she's going to have a baby. What's our question? We've got two questions we ask of her. How far along are you? Or when is your baby due? Depending on how polite we are. There are others that are similar to that. Because we associate and we express the question, even when the, when the information is in front of us, we want to associate it with a when. Maybe, just maybe, we all want to know, when will I be loved? When? And as we said, the disciples of Jesus, they just wanted to know. They wanted to know right up to the very end. They wanted to know just before he ascended. They wanted to know on that hillside. They wanted to know after his resurrection. They wanted to know when. He would establish the the kingdom and restore that kingdom. When would it be set up? We want to know when. Is it now, Lord? Is this the time? So take us back to Joel. Go back to Joel's words. Go back to those people who were reading it for the first time or hearing it for the first time. Go back to those people and recognize them hearing what he's saying. There's a great day. The day of the Lord is coming. When will these things be? was the question. Joel had a message. He had a message about the day of the Lord. He had a message that they were hearing. He had a message that was making it into their ears and maybe into their minds. And they were wondering. For he was setting a sound of an alarm to make known that the day of the Lord was, as he said, at hand. They want to know when then? What does that mean, the day of the Lord is at hand? What in the world does that mean? I think you and I might find ourselves in a similar set of circumstances. When I was a youth, when I was a boy growing up and attending church, and I go to church and hear the preachers preach, they so often preached about the Lord's coming again. The Lord's coming again. I was expecting it next week. I didn't know. Would have been nice. Wouldn't have gotten this old. I didn't know. And maybe we've gotten away from that to some degree, and maybe we need to go back. We need to hear the alarm again. The day of the Lord is at hand. A beleaguered nation would anxiously absorb those words in the time of Joel. They wanted to know when, when are we going to get back to ourselves? When are we going to become that people? When are we going to be God's people again? When are we going to be that powerful nation we once knew? But as Joel continues, the words become a little bit covert. They become a little bit cryptic in their nature, maybe apocalyptic covered in their style. The meanings are not quite so clear when he talks about a darkened sun, when he talks about a blood, a moon that turns to blood, when he talks about clouds and, and, and more, more well-described harbingers. There's something coming, there are signs of, that there are things that are out there. They're is the sun really going to be darkened? Is the moon really going to turn to blood? Is it really going to be this, this sense of gloominess in the world that sounds like last week, doesn't it? But you understand, they're wondering, when? When, Lord? When is this going to be? For the practical meaning. And the timing of it all leaves them to wonder. But the message is still there. It's still there. It's still pressing upon them. Something is coming. Something is coming. And maybe, just maybe, if you, if you understand what I'm saying, just maybe, just maybe it is less important in their minds exactly what it is and maybe in the forefront is when it is. Because we want to know when, then we will be able to recognize the what quite often. As we sang, it was there. Farther along we sing, we'll know all about it. Farther along, we'll understand why. We'll understand it all, we said, by and by. When? When in the world is by and by? That's an old-timer's line of words. That's an old line that means in the beyond, in the afterlife, we'll understand it all. Well, there's some good to that, I understand, but we want to know now, don't we? We want to know about things now. We want to understand the when. We want to understand the wherefore. As Peter stood on the Pentecost that we talked about, as he stood before the crowds of people, thousands of people there listening to what he has to say. Peter spoke of the prophecy of Joel there. He said, This, this is it. If the when of Joel's prophecy had been buried in the recesses of the minds of the people and been taught for now hundreds of years. It was here on this occasion that Peter brought it to the forefront and said, the win is now. It is now. This is the time. In their minds and in front of them, this suddenly is brought to their recognition, the win is for there was not this sudden overwhelming change of the world but there was a message and the message was of a culmination that much like the promised one who was to come for when we notice the birth of Jesus we notice the angelic's angelic singing. We notice the announcement, I mean the angelic announcement. We notice the shepherds that come. We notice the events that transpire. We notice Mary and Joseph. We notice this virgin birth. We notice this child being born. We read of him in the days to come and we read of him 12 years old and then later. But it's a 30-year culmination. It's a 30-plus year time frame that's brought together. We look at the specific of Jesus and all the things that brought it together. We think about the Lord's Supper and the great event that was there. We think about the crucifixion and the death of Jesus. We see it all and we say, this is that moment. But it is a culmination of hundreds and even thousands of years that are brought together, but especially of the last three decades in this man's life. The win is a completion of a culmination of so many things. And so I offer to you this way, if you're wondering where in the world this is going. I think we are still asking when, aren't we? We still ask it for a lot of things. Consider some of our when questions that are, that are with us almost any day. Lately it's a lot been, when will this problem be gone? When will we not have to worry about this in the way that we do today? When will this pandemic be gone? When will some of the problems that are in our society be gone? When will we be free to be what maybe we once were? That's kind of the things that run through our minds. When will this happen? Maybe even as spiritual beings, as Christians, who come and assemble here and listen to lessons like this on a Sunday morning, we ask the question, when will I know enough to be confident? When will I know enough to be confident in, in my confidence in my faith and in the Lord? When will I be confident enough? When will I know that much? Maybe there are more practical concerns. When will my children finally grow up? I mean, mothers have been telling them to grow up for a long time. I'm just being a little bit silly about that. But there is one. When will I die? How long will I be here? And what will happen when I die? There's a big win in there, isn't there? But I think the biggest of all, the big question, the biggest question is in our minds when will the Lord come? As spiritual beings, as Christians, we wonder when will the Lord come? Or when will that day of judgment be as we picture it in our minds and think about the events and the things that that transpire there? When will that be? But Jesus talked some about wins, didn't he? When his disciples were wondering, when will this temple be destroyed in Matthew 24? When will the coming of this age be? And Jesus talked about some things, and he spoke somewhat cryptically in the things that he spoke, but he made it known to them. And here we need to see about when is in the hands of God. He taught that the physical timing of so many things is in the hands of God. Matthew 24 and verse 36. No man knows. God knows. I think about how many people have tried to calculate from the Scriptures, how many times they've looked into the Scriptures and tried to calculate the days, the weeks, the months, the years, and determine the time, exactly when these things will end, when our world will come to an end. And it's come about so many times through the ages in the the 19th century and in the 20th century. And I think about people and they've studied the stars and they've tried to figure out exactly when it would be and I think about the people who have even taken a certain amount of poison believing they'd be taken away in the tail of a comet and I think it's all biblical in in its concept, but it's wrong. Sat in a nursing home listening to a man who'd studied the numbers of the scriptures over and over again and he gave me a little book about his numbers and how he'd worked all this out and I thought, what in the world is he talking about? and he lived and he died and the time has come and gone and his numbers were wrong again. Because we're looking at when as if it's something to be measured. As if it's a a number on a clock. Instead of looking, instead of looking for an event of another day, We need to focus on the when of now. When Jesus was dealing with his closest disciples on that lake shore, and Simon Peter had said, Lord, you know I love you. You know all things. You know I love you. And Jesus had said, follow me. And he told him how the time was coming when he would die. He said, follow me. And Simon Peter turns around and he looks at John, who is over there as well, and he says, well, what about him? And the Lord said to him, what is it to you if you remain alive until I come again? Think about the importance of that statement. He saying, Peter, quit worrying about the when and somebody else. And think about the now and the you. The common key in all of it. The common key in all of it is being prepared in the now. Instead of looking for a an in another day, we need to focus on where we are. Friends, so often we may have been looking for some life-changing, some cataclysmic event for the sun to fall from the sky or the moon to explode into blood. We may be something like that is going to happen. We may be looking for that cataclysmic event to happen when the real value, the real value in how is in how we live in the present. We began these thoughts with Joel, with his words about the day of the Lord and the call to win. The win is now. We're going to sing a song of encouragement. Let it be a song of invitation. If there's someone who needs to respond this morning, let it encourage you to use the opportunity this very morning. If there is a need you have to make known, let us help you with it, whatever it may be. If you determine you need to obey the gospel, be baptized into Christ, we'll share that moment and help you with that at this very hour with great celebration. If there is a need that you have to bring today, please do so while we stand and sing.